0: So this week, I am sharing a really exciting announcement. And if you're listening live this week, I'm also bringing back one part of my three-part series on how to unlock the power of ChatGPT. And I'm doing both of these things because I just launched a new ChatGPT resource for nonprofits that I am so, so excited about. It's the Nonprofit ChatGPT Headquarters. So. For those of you who are longtime listeners, you have heard me talk about ChatGPT before. I am really bought into this tool. It is not some fancy, super techie tool that needs to be built out and figured out. It should be as integrated into your workflow and as simple as Google Docs. It's a capacity builder and a time saver. And my goal is to make it easy for organizations, particularly small and growing organizations where time and money and capacity are really an issue, to tap into the power of ChatGPT. If you aren't, you're leaving capacity on the table, and I want to help you solve that problem. So I took the questions and the conversations that I've been having with nonprofits for the last, really, six or seven months and turned it into a concrete tool, which is one of my favorite things to do. The nonprofit ChatGPT headquarters is an all-in-one workspace that supports you at every phase of using ChatGPT in your workflow, from giving you ideas to giving you prompts that you can cut and paste right into ChatGPT, to giving you an already built out place to save and organize the prompts that you like, the personalities that you try, and all of the work that you do using ChatGPT. So if you are still on the fence about ChatGPT, listen to this week's episode. If you're listening to a different episode and hearing this preview, head on over to this week's episode and get inspired. And when you're ready to take the next step and start saving you and your team hours of time and brain energy every week, you can head to brookrichiebabbage.com backslash ChatGPT-HQ and grab the workspace. Enjoy. Hi, this is the Nonprofit Mastermind Podcast, and I'm your host, Brooke Ritchie Babbage. Each week, I do a deep dive into the mindset and strategies and tactics and tools of scaling an incredible, high-impact nonprofit. I'm so glad you're here. This is 6-Minute Strategy for Leaders of Small Nonprofits. Each week, I'll share a quick strategy tip on launching, scaling, or leading your small nonprofit. In this video, I'm going to talk about hiring to fuel growth. I talk in my trainings and in my accelerator program about the importance of thinking about and building capacity. And by that, I mean having the right people in the right roles. And this is really important if you want to scale. But what does that look like in practice? How do you actually build capacity and do this if you are a small growing nonprofit? Let's start with what not having the right people in the right roles, that is, not having capacity, looks like in practice. You move from meeting to meeting without time to do sense-making or to execute. You don't follow up on emails from key donors. You're slow to respond to messages about potential partnerships. You're not building critical internal systems because it takes think and deep work time that you just don't have. The upshot is that when you don't have capacity, you don't have time and you don't grow. You must get the right people on your team to free up your time to do the things that drive and sustain impact. So here are two ways to think about hiring as you scale. The first is to see hiring as an investment in high leverage activities. When you look at your calendar, it probably includes some messy and chaotic and perhaps vaguely overwhelming combination of high and low leverage activities. What do I mean by this? High leverage activities are those that drive revenue and impact. You want more of your calendar to include these. Think about it this way. You're on a path out in a forest. The path leads to the impact you want your organization to have. Your role as the leader, increasingly as you grow, is to be above the trees, looking way down the path and strategizing about how to get down that path to impact quickly and efficiently. High leverage activities are the things that are like jet fuel, boosting you down the path. What are the type of high leverage activities that you should be trying to maximize in your calendar? Fundraising, network expansion, strategic partnerships, strategic program design, and thought leadership. Each of these types of activities, when done correctly, has a high return on investment That means that for every hour you spend, the effect on revenue and impact is significant. What are some examples of lower leverage activities? And by these, I do not mean not important. I mean that they keep you on your path towards impact, but they aren't like jet fuel. These are things like writing newsletters, social media, certain types of program execution, especially as the organization grows, database entry, training volunteers, The more time you spend on these types of activities, the slower and more painful your process of scaling will be. The key is to begin to hand over low leverage activities as early as possible so that you are able to spend your time propelling your organization down the path towards impact. The second shift in thinking about hiring to fuel scaling is to hire for ownership. And this is a shift away from hiring purely for execution. Many of us, when we're just starting out, particularly those of you like me um, who are founders, we hire purely for execution. This may look like turning a trusted volunteer into a part-time employee, bringing on interns, externs, and fellows. It looks like hands on deck, and that's great and true for many reasons, ranging from lack of funds to sometimes lack of clarity about how roles are shifting and exactly what you need on your team. But as you scale, there are two problems with this. First, even if you have people executing on all of the lower leverage activities, you are ultimately accountable for the outcome of these activities. You own that workflow, which means it's not truly off your shoulders. The second problem is that hiring purely for execution quickly translates into you having a lot of people to meet with and manage. Hiring for ownership means, and looking at entire workflows, you hire as high up in that workflow as possible. And I cannot stress this enough, do this earlier than you think you need to. Hire the director or the manager before that third program associate. These owners will actually be able to take the work and the weight of accountability off your plate. One of the best ways to do this is to take the time to map your processes, the tasks that you are responsible for completing, and turning them into clear standard operating procedures or SOPs for the workflows that you own. Then hand those over and trust the process. If you hire good people, learners, yes, and strategic thinkers, they will be able to absorb and implement your SOPs. I've included a handout, the link below, of how to operationalize what I'm talking about here, and I've shared some standard SOPs. These two shifts are how you begin to build the kind of capacity that actually fuels sustainable growth. That's my six minutes for this week. See you next week. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of the Nonprofit Mastermind Podcast. I always have so much fun doing these episodes. Definitely check out the links to all of the goodies that I mentioned in this episode. You can get that at com backslash podcast for the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode and think that you have a friend or colleague who would also enjoy, I would love if you would leave a review and share. Have a great week.